Morning, saints. You weren't sure. I was like, I'm talking to you. Morning, saints. Um, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. We'll come back to this in a moment, but for now, one verse. See, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. We live in what one commentator I heard yesterday describe as an era of crisis. We've got the climate crisis, the Me Too crisis, the racial justice crisis, the COVID crisis, the Ukraine crisis, which isn't really about Ukraine, fundamentally it is, but it's actually a geopolitical crisis. It's probably almost certainly the end of globalization as we know it. And all of that is symptomatic and compounded by the collapse of the secular project. And we find ourselves, I think, at a moment in history where there's deep existential crisis for all of us, wherever we are on the planet. Good morning. (laughs) Behold, says the Lord, I'm doing a new thing. The thing is, right, church history tells us, human history tells us that God always works in and through crisis. And God always works in and through his people. And so God, I think, is speaking to the church in these days, the whole church, not just this one, and saying, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, see doing a new thing in the midst of all of this that is so disorientating, so hard. I want you to see something and I want you to give yourselves to it. We're talking today about the vision of All Saints Worcester, but really it's a sense about what, I want to speak into what I think the Lord is saying to the whole church and how we might play our part in that. The vision of all saints, in one sense, hasn't changed, and it won't change. It's simply two things we say regularly. We're committed to joining with God in the renewal of all things. That's the mission. That's the task for us, to join with God in what he is doing in the world. Uh, Theologians talk about something called the missio dei, the Latin, the mission of God. Missio, to be sent God is a sending God. He sent his son in the, in, the, uh, in the power of the spirit to live and to die and to be raised to new life so that all creation could be restored unto God. Uh, the son sent the spirit to empower the church so that they could live out the things of God, the things of the kingdom. And, and the son and the spirit and the father together send us. We are missionaries, missio people, sent ones. And what is God doing? He's making all things new. Kainos is the Greek word there. It's it's different to neos, which is the other Greek word for new. Neos is I've got a brand new car. Kainos is making all things new, restoring and redeeming all things made good in the image of God so that one day when Jesus returns, all heaven and earth will be united in glorious harmony. That's what God is doing, and the church, we're called to join in with that. That's the big why, that's the big what. And the way we do that is to practice the way of Jesus in community. 
when you practice the way of Jesus, when you learn together in community as we're trying to do here, to be apprentices of Jesus, to learn what it is to be human, to be ones who go in the name of Jesus and in the power of his spirit to love and to serve. When we practice that, literally practice how to do that, we get to shape things. We get to join in with God. The way you join in with the renewable things is follow Jesus. And specifically, we're aiming to do three things when we talk about practicing the way of Jesus. It's to learn to be with him, to know God, and to know that we're known. It's what we've been looking at, haven't we, since Christmas here on a Sunday. It's secondly, to become like Jesus, to be transformed into his likeness. Not a carbon copy of Jesus where you kind of give yourself up, but where you become a Christ-like version of who he's made you to be, who Jesus would be if he was you. And then the third thing that we're trying to do when we practice the way of Jesus in community is learn together to do the things that Jesus did. Heal the sick. Care for the poor. Proclaim that he is risen He's risen indeed, and that that is good news. To demonstrate by our shared life together what it means to be the people of God, what God had for all people in his original intentions for creation, to be an outpost of the coming kingdom of God, to be a sign in the world of what it will be like when he's healed it completely. And when we go after those three things, we find ourselves joining in with God. That's what we're about here at All Saints And so to achieve this, we've always had these five long-term, if you like, strategic priorities, things that govern and shape everything we do, against which we measure. Are we going to do this or not? How well are we doing? Where does our money go? What do we put our time into? Here they are. Number one, uh, we want to develop a discipleship culture throughout the whole church. We talk about a discipleship culture because it's more than programs and courses and events. It's more than just turning up to things. It's learning together to be these apprentices, to have a culture where it's normal and celebrated, to be someone who chooses to go against the way of the world at times, to go the way of Jesus, regardless of the cost, because in the way of Jesus is life and life in all its fullness. And that's something that has to shape not only us, but all the kids and youth. It gets a bit quieter, doesn't it, when they all go... They're all over in the other building, having a great time, learning to be apprentices of Jesus. We're doing this together. And so central to that are our midweek groups, of which there are more and more different versions, where you can be known in community, where you can belong, but where together we cheer each other on to become like Jesus and to do the things that he did. The second priority has always been to nurture a community in which everyone is cared for. Life's hard, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Was it just me? I think it might just be me today. That's slightly awkward. Um, Life is hard. We have to be a community in which we truly love one another, where people can come in and find healing. And that's wonderful. And like any hospital, we want people to get well and then become the ones that care for other people. We want to be a church in this city that is known for how it cares for people, how it cares for one another. You know, some people say to me, who's the minister here? And I said, well, if you mean the vicar, the ordained Anglican leader, that's me. But actually, we're all the ministers. You're the pastors. You're together with us, the ones that care for one another and our city. That's why we set up the food bank 10 years ago, to care for the most vulnerable in our community. 
That's why it matters that we do more of those things, more of that in a moment. Number three, our priority is to train and equip a whole community of leaders. And we talk about a leadership community because we're doing this as a team. Everyone, in some way, shape, or form, is a leader unto the things of the kingdom. Where you are when you're not here, you're leading. Because leadership is influence. So where do you have influence? That's where you're leading. But we know that some people are called by God in different ways and shapes and forms to work in this church, to equip it, to lead the people of God here so that together as the people of God, we can lead out for the things of the kingdom wherever you're placed, your street, your community, your networks, your place of work. And so we have a leadership community. We're always trying to develop and raise up leaders. I don't know whether he's still here. He may have gone. But Barney, who was on drums, I I forget how, how old's Barney? 11. Wasn't he good? He was amazing. So when you see him later, tell him. He'll love it. We don't wait until someone's like, you know, got a driving license before we start to invest in them. We're raising them up whenever we possibly can. The fourth priority is to grow the kingdom through mission and evangelism. Jesus said, I'll build the church. You go. So we go in the name of Jesus and the power of this, but we want to see the kingdom grow. We want to see more people coming to faith. Jess is running Alpha at the moment. It's been so good to hear of people joining us on the Alpha course. Some of you might even be here this morning discovering Jesus as the true risen Lord of all the world. The thing that makes sense of everything, giving your life to him and being liberated in the process. I want to see more of that. I want us to have to buy a baptism pool because it's just too much of a faff to keep borrowing it from City Church, who we love. Like, I love you, but we want our own because we need it so much because people are coming to faith. We want to see people out there hearing about Jesus because we're going to get our hands dirty more than we're already doing. More of that in a moment. And finally, we've got a a long-term priority to develop multiple expressions of church. Why? Because the only way you can be really sure that we're seeing more people come to faith is by planting more churches. Like, lots of you have joined us over the last couple of years, and you are so welcome. You're so, so welcome. And and I love that, because you're finding a home in which you can root yourself. But ultimately, I want to see more churches. More churches equals more people coming to faith. So that is really the heartbeat of what makes us tick. And that might be new to some of you, and it's a reminder to others. We are one church, but actually we have two roles We are a local church, All Saints Worcester, but we've also been commissioned by the bishop to be a regional church, what's called a resourcing church in the Church of England. And again, some of you may have heard us talk about that a little bit over the last few months. It gets fleshed out in real terms by the fact that we're not always here. So did you notice I wasn't here the last couple of weeks? Yes, we did, Rich. Yeah, some of you are like, no, I didn't. And that's a good thing if you didn't, because there's a whole team of us. But last week, I was in Benjworth, in Evesham, St. Peter's Benjworth, which is the first church that we have revitalized. Uh, Andy, who was here, Andy and Debbie, they've gone to lead that, and I went to be with them as a community last Sunday, because we're part of an, an emerging family of churches. There he is, with all his glad rags on, when he got um, licensed by the bishop. And it was such a joy to be with them. This is a church that's coming back to life as we serve it and resource it. Fraser is not here this morning because he's over at St. Peter's Inkbra, where we're helping them develop a new worshipping community. James is often not here because he's out at Norton and Kempsey helping them develop new worshipping communities. I was there a couple of weeks ago. Again, people in church who've never been to church because we're creating new expressions of it there as well as here. 
We're, we have three partners that we do this with because we're not just doing this on our own. We're part of a national push by the Church of England to see some really exciting new things happen. So we're doing it in partnership with the diocese, of course, but also with this national centre called the Gregory Centre for Church Multiplication, led by Bishop Rick Thorpe. And we're one of over 160 now resourcing churches across the country, planting churches, revitalising churches and resourcing other churches. It's so exciting. Thank you for letting us do that. Thank you for backing that. Thank you for being part of that. And then we do that as well as part of our New Wine family. A whole load of those churches are part of the New Wine family. I say all of this because we're at a moment in time in this era of crisis where we have a choice to make as All Saints Worcester. Are we going to see what God's doing and go for it? Are we going to take the time to behold, to watch and look and get our heads and our hearts around what it is that the Lord's calling the church to become and to do in these days and give ourselves to it? And I'm asking it as a question because ultimately it's a choice and it's a choice each of us have to make. Kath and I are committed here at All Saints for the long haul, as you know, and we were committed to this church being a church that goes for it that models it, that takes seriously the call of God, that doesn't wait necessarily for all the right permissions. I should be careful how I say that, um, in case the bishop's watching. Um, but I say that slightly in jest and slightly truthfully, because the, the Lord is up to something. And, and, and he's looking for a people who are up for it and who are going to go for it. And so Isaiah 43 is a really key text that I really feel like God is speaking to us through. Kath and I were talking about this Uh, Over the last few days, as we were up in Harrogate with some of the team at this leadership conference, that was the sense among so many people and some of the people that came to inspire us and encourage us. So let's read those verses. Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, That's a reference to the people of God escaping Egypt and the Exodus. And they lay there never to rise again. It's extinguished, snuffed, out like a wick. Here's what the Lord says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? It's a question. Do you perceive it? Can you feel it? Can you sense it? Something's brewing. Even just over the last few weeks, there's been a real sense here, hasn't there, as we gather, excitement, expectation, buzz. It was so powerful watching you all pray just now. We're part of something. And for a long while, we've sensed that the Spirit of God has been saying to us as a church, just wait. Just wait. Not a passive waiting, like let's just twiddle our thumbs until God says go, but a sense of waiting while he does something in us, restorative, helping us rest. We've spoken into and ministered into, haven't we? Who is Jesus? Who is, what is the church? And more recently, how do we know God? This, is, this has been an internal work while we wait for the, the nudge of the Spirit, the sense of the Spirit to go. But my sense, our sense, Kath and I and many others, as we talked and prayed, is now the Lord is saying go. 
this is a moment for us. And it's not like a sudden change of gear. It's just to start to go, start to lean in, reach out, press on, perceive and say yes and get going with the things that God is calling us to. Because this is a moment in history where we're in crisis and people need Jesus. Do you believe that? And so we can wait and wait and wait, but there comes a point where you just have to start doing something. And so I'm offering that as a sense, a, a gut instinct, a prayerfully pondered sense that God is calling us to get moving. Now, in one level, this new thing that Isaiah speaks of is an eschatological truth. He's talking about Jesus, the coming of the Son. So it's understood in the sweep of human history, eschatology, the, the theology of how things end, the end times. He's saying Jesus is the new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing in and through Jesus. We know that God has begun that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We know that he will complete that in the return of Jesus as the conquering king. And so in one sense, the new thing is, is the same new thing as the last 2,000 years. But within that, there is this sense that God is always doing new things in his people in real time unto that ultimate new thing, that ultimate horizon of a new creation and Jesus restored to his people. And so in this moment, what is the new thing the Lord is calling the church to become? What's he saying to us? What's the new thing that God has for us? There are three things in this passage that I think are really worth noting. Number one, verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Now, we need to be really careful here. We're not saying all of that old stuff pre-pandemic. Do you remember that days, those days? It feels like, you know, you've got BC and AD and now PP, pre-pandemic, which sounds, you have to be careful how you say that. Um, and, and here we are now, post-pandemic. It's not like everything pre-pandemic has gone, and here we are now, it's all up for grabs. It's not that. But I think the sense I would have for us, I think we need to be careful and pay attention to, is that God's wanting us to do things differently. He's wanting to carry on with some of the stuff that got pressed on pause. He wants us to embrace change. Multiple expressions of church means it looks different. Pushing out in social action means it's going to cost more. Planting churches means we lose people. Andy and Debbie went, but so did a whole load of other people. We miss them. It was so good to be back with them. There's change coming as we do this new thing. And so the danger for us as the people of God is that we, we try to get back to how it was. And I think the Lord will be saying, no, no, I have new things for you. New versions of who all saints has always been, if that makes sense. So I don't think we need to be alarmed by that. I'm not suggesting we rewrite the rule book. I'm just saying let's be really aware that some of the things that perhaps were good and true then aren't necessarily going to have the same expression now and going forward. And that's okay because it's actually all of God. The second thing to note, verse 19, is this language which we've already teased out a little bit. See, perceive. Isaiah here is being provocative. Jesus picks up on Isaiah in Mark chapter 4 when he quotes another part of Isaiah, Isaiah 6, where he says, uh, Isaiah says, you're, you're forever hearing, but not understanding. Forever seeing, but not perceiving. There's something here about us as the people of God, hearing and seeing with spiritual ears and spiritual eyes, that when we pray, when we worship, you know, when we worship like we've just done, that's not just for us, it's for individually. It's a collective thing of journeying into God and being in his presence. 
And in his presence, seeing what he's showing us, hearing what he's saying to us. So understanding and perceiving is a spiritual thing. It's a discernment thing. And that's why we need the gift of prophecy. That's why in Ephesians 4, Paul talks about the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, and the evangelist. The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We need to hear the prophetic in this season more than ever. What is God saying? What's the new thing unto the ultimate new thing that God wants us to understand? And so my question is, what do you sense? What do you hear, see, understand, and perceive? That's a question for all of us, I think, as we go forward. I've got a few things I'm going to share in a moment that I think we think are part of the, uh, the future for us, some of the things we need to pay attention to. But, but these are tentative early steps, and what that looks like uh, is for us to discern together, and it's certainly not the sum total. So please make contact if God is speaking to you. Please spend time praying so that God can speak to you, because together we need to do this work of perceiving and understanding. And notice, finally, verse 19. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's a wilderness, isn't it, right now, out there, in so many ways. There's a sense, I mean, you only have to turn on your news and look at what's happened to Ukraine. It's a wasteland. There's a, there's a, there's a physical expression of that, but so much out there is because it's a spiritual wilderness, it's a spiritual wasteland. We're, li- we're at a point in history where engagement with the things of God is lower than it's been for a long, long time. I'm not worried about that at all. I think it's the most amazing time to be in the church. I think this is our moment. I think this is our opportunity. I'm so excited because out there, people are desperate for answers. I have so many conversations with people that kind of, and, and once they find out what I do, oh, well, tell me about this. This is not, it's, there's not a resistance that we think there is. And so are we going to go on behalf of, are we going to carry the presence of God into the world, confident that it sloshes out of us and brings life and refreshment to people? I think that's what happens. Are you with me so far? Yes. Good. Brilliant. I assume it's all of you. Um, five things that as we've prayed, Kath and I have talked a lot, uh, we've talked about this with uh, the PCC, with church wardens, a whole load of you, the leadership community is coming out, we're trying to synthesize all of this. Here are five things that I think we're going to need to lean into in this season. Number one, cultivating our life in the spirit. Cultivating our life in the spirit. You know, all of this ultimately is a work of God through his spirit. It's all ultimately going to be done in the power of the spirit. It's a work of God through us. And we need to learn again and again and again how to be in his presence, how to minister in the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. To demystify that, to train people to understand our gifting and understand how it works. That was the focus of this leadership conference in Harrogate. Just getting back with a whole load of leaders to being in his presence, learning to partner with the Spirit. And I'm so aware that after two years of it being so funny and weird, We need to rediscover how to do that, how to engage with the ministry of the Spirit. So we're going to be working on that as we go forward. And as I said earlier, particularly want to raise up the prophetic, which doesn't take over, it doesn't lead, but God uses the prophetic to help us hear what he's saying, to sharpen our focus, to give us boldness and courage. Paul says, doesn't he, to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. 
that we would hear so that we can understand, that we'd see so that we can perceive, so that we can go with confidence in his name and in his power to do the things he's called us to do. The second thing that Kath and I have talked a lot about particularly is becoming a house of prayer. That phrase, a house of prayer, comes up over and over again in the scriptures. And one of the things that's been a joy for us is seeing how much prayer has exploded in the life of the church over the last two years. It's been amazing. Those of you who are plugging into those week-in, week-out prayer meetings are so exciting. We had the privilege of meeting some, a, a couple, James and Rebecca Ladaran, last week, who lead a national charity called Prayer Storm. And they were just asking us, what's prayer like in your church? And as Kath told them, they were like, that's amazing. You have 11 prayer meetings every week. How exciting. You know, we were like, yeah, I guess that is true. Wouldn't it be amazing to lean into that even more? To be a house of prayer, to be a place, a church that knows how to pray. Why do I say that? Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. We had the privilege in Harrogate, as some of you will have seen this on the uh, weekly update video I put out every week. We had the privilege of of having a, a Ukrainian pastor with us. And I was leading the gathering. I was told 10 minutes earlier, this guy Roman is here. We need to pray for the Ukrainian church. And so we, we got him to stand in the middle of this vast auditorium, the convention center in Harrogate, and 1,500 leaders. I said, he's here. Please welcome him. The entire room stood and spontaneously applauded this man. So moving. And we stretched out our hand and we prayed for the Ukrainian church. Because we believe that's what's going to make a difference. Do you know there are more Christians in Ukraine than the rest of mainland Europe put together? Isn't that amazing? And they are literally underground, worshipping, breaking bread. There are photos emerging, you'll have seen them, of the church worshipping and praying, underground, holding the ground. We believe prayer makes a difference. And so we want to build on that and train everyone how to pray. This guy James was saying, we're really good at training preachers in the church. We're really good at training all sorts of other people, but we don't train prayer leaders. So we're going to get him to help us do that. Um, That's really exciting to me. Number three, I'm convinced that part of the call on us, particularly as a church, is to reach and release the rising generations. Anyone younger than me, basically which is increasing a lot of people because I'm actually older than I look. Um, But specifically, children... Don't laugh. Um, I saw that. Um, Children and young people, children and youth. We've got loads here, but I want more. We're trying to get some funding so that we can employ somebody to do some youth mission, not on our behalf, but lead us out on that. There are so many people in this city, young people, who don't know Jesus and who are struggling Go chat, to, go chat to any teacher and they will tell you they're seeing a surge of mental health issues, all sorts of other issues. How do we raise them up as leaders? How do we let them lead the church? How do we help them discover all these things we're talking about for themselves now, not when they're older? And so I say that because often what can happen is you can think, Rich is only interested in younger people. Not true. But what I'm saying is this has to be a strategic focus for us because there's so many of them. And so I'm asking you to back that, and I'm actually asking you to help that. There will be days where Joe says, I just could do with some more people to help make a youth social happen. Would you come and make milkshakes or bake bagels, whatever it is they're doing? You don't have to hang out with the kids if they terrify you, which I understand, I've got three of them. Um, (laughs) But we need you sometimes just to come and make things happen so that we can get that generation. Because we've got one shot. 
Lots of people who know about this saying, this is, this is our moment. We risk losing an entire generation post-pandemic if we don't go for it. We have to go for it. Do you hear me? Uh, number four, I'm nearly done, don't worry. Actually, I'm not nearly done at all. Um, yeah, well, I kind of am. Uh, number four, sorry. Um, I want us to expand our work in caring for those in need in our city. I think there's so much need. And we're not doing that on our own. We're part of a whole community of churches in this city which wonderfully love one another and get on well. There's great unity in the church. But we, we feel like there's a particular call on us to lead out on some of that. Yes, we run Worcester Food Bank, but there's so much more we could do. And we don't know what that looks like, but it's a wasteland. It's a wilderness for so many people, and it's only going to get worse. What are we going to do to care for the poorest and most deprived in our city? We have to do more as the people of God. So I'd love you to speak into that, come and talk to us about that. I've got all sorts of ideas of what I'd love to see, but it has to be of God. Number five, and finally, I won't say much more about this one, but planting churches and new worshipping communities is on the agenda. We have to do that. And if every single person who comes here at some point on a Sunday morning throughout a month all came on the same Sunday morning, we wouldn't get you all in. And so one of the ways we, we want to create room is to plant some new congregations and some new worshipping communities, find ways of doing that, and that will build. It's a long-range plan, but it has to start now. We've got to start doing that. Okay, take a moment. Breathe, because I've thrown a lot at you. I'd just love you to be still for 20 seconds. What is God showing you? What's grabbed you? What excites you? Where did your heart start pounding a bit faster? Where did you start writing things down? Because that's a clue to where God might be calling you, particularly to throw a bit of time and energy and prayer. And then we'll finish with a couple of practical things. There are four things that I think every single one of us, if this is our church, needs to be able to say this is what we're doing, how we're doing these things. Number one, prioritize prayer. Please prioritize prayer. That's not just coming to prayer gatherings like Hungry and the 24-3 and all of that, which is really important and will be how we become a house of prayer. That's where it's at. If you're up for the house of prayer stuff, you've got to get along to that and chuck some fuel on that fire because uh, that will really help us. But it's everyone praying with, for, and as the church. Pray at home. Pray in the car. Pray in the traffic jam. Pray wherever you are. Pray, pray, pray. Join a prayer group, etc. You know, just pray. Pray. It's dead easy. Dear God, please would you dot, dot, dot. Amen. Number two, we want everyone to be committed financially. More of that in a moment. Because actually any money in our bank account either comes from you and I or the Church of England uh, Resourcing Church Fund, which doesn't last forever. More of that in a moment. I'd love everyone to say, I'm, I'm in financially. Whatever you feel able to give under God, as radical and as generous as you can be, give, give, give. Everyone in community, engaging in community, beyond a Sunday gathering where you can be known, 
where you can uh, practice the way of Jesus with other people. And if you're not in a smaller community yet and you'd like to be in one, come and talk to me or Jess at the end. We'll plug you into one. There's so many new things emerging. It's really exciting. And then finally, because sometimes we're a family and they just need to get things done, I'd love everyone to say, I'm on this team, serving on the team. Mike and Sarah at the back, give us a wave. They're the host team this morning. Their team made it possible for you to have coffee and pastries. Aren't they wonderful? You can join a team like that. You can join the tech team. You can join the kids team. You can join the youth team. You can join the food bank team. You can join the prayer team. There's all sorts of teams. Join a team. Join a team. Everyone playing their part will make a massive difference. Prioritize prayer. Commit financially. Engage in community. Serve on a team. That's basics, right? Can we all do those things together? That'd be brilliant. Now, here's the finance finance challenge. Because it costs time and it costs money. Um, We'll say more about all of this as we go, but I just want to give you the headlines for this. I am told, because I'm not very good on Excel spreadsheets, but thankfully the finance team are, that our budgeted income for 2022 is £318,000, of which 243 comes from the congregational giving and 75,000 comes from our resourcing church funding from the Church of England. But as you can see on the slide, the resourcing church grants end by the end of 2025. They taper off, actually, so it's not kind of a cliff edge. Um, and so we need to be increasing our giving and income, not the same thing. We're thinking about income as well as giving, in order to sustain some of the staffing levels beyond then. So Phil, for example, who's our worship director, who I think is quite good. I don't know what you think. I, I, mean, I think he's worth keeping, to be honest. Um, in fact, I think he's amazing. And he was leading, interestingly, the Rising Generations venue at New Wine Leaders Conference last week, 180 youth and kids workers. He was leading the worship for them. They loved him. He's amazing. We want to keep him. He's funded by the Church of England at the moment, not us. So we have to increase our giving and our income over the next few years incrementally. And so the goal for this year is to increase by £30,000. Here's what I'm confident in, that the money's here. <laughs> And so if you've, yet to, if you've joined us and you've yet to commit financially, and maybe today's been enough to get you to the point where you go, I'm in, that I reckon it's there. We're going to pray it in. If you're able to increase your giving, already, you're already giving, you're able to give more so we can do more, I'd love you to do that. And it might be that you can give us a one-off gift just to add to that, to get things moving. Uh, there's more details going to come over the next few weeks. I'm just giving you the headlines today so you can think about it in the context of vision. So, I've thrown a lot at you. And actually what we want to do is respond to God in, uh, by the Spirit, by, by worship and prayer. So let's take a moment, Phil in the band, the wonderful Phil, who we think is brilliant, is going to come back up. I think, I think Barney may have gone to you.